0: Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're gonna get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment, but before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom More on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials, you can ask the presenter questions, and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically, and when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose, as long as you choose something, as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, There will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at CPEtoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics: accounting, on it, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more. You name it. Check out CPEtoday.com, and the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST to check out to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. <laughs> Colleagues, welcome back to the office and welcome to our presentation for today. This is K 2s an accountant's guide to blockchain and cryptocurrency. My name is Steve Yass. I'll be your instructor and presenter as we work through our uh, course today as we examine some blockchain and cryptocurrency topics. Now, in our class, we are going to be learning more about what these incredible technologies are, how they function, their different applications inside of business, both for blockchain as well as cryptocurrency. Uh, While these two topics are interrelated to each other, they are distinct, and it's important to know the differences between them. And in our presentation, we're going to take a deep dive into these two topics. Uh, We're going to start first with an introduction to blockchain and cryptocurrency, uh, giving you a broad perspective. Uh, perspective of what these technologies are, how they work. Uh, Again, they're interrelated to each other. So what are the commonalities? What are the differences? How do they function together? How do they separate uh, into separate technologies and more? Uh, In that section, I really want to give you a good introduction of how this tech came around, what it looks like today, uh, some of the common vocabulary and terms, as well as uh, some of the different types. There are public blockchains such as bitcoin ethereum uh, which you're probably familiar with and there's also private blockchains there are plenty of organizations around the world that are using these technologies Uh, to build and to uh, create uh, specific services inside their businesses. Uh, Most commonly, for example, where uh, you're seeing it as a lot in supply chains, you're seeing it in uh, interconnections and interoperability between businesses. And we'll take a look at some of those different case studies to give you a sense of how different businesses are using this tech uh, inside their companies, as well as we'll take a look at some of the um, uh, public blockchain uh, projects as well to give you a sense of some of the differences between them. Uh, then we're going to talk about some of the benefits and risks. Uh, I will say that blockchain and crypto are super polarizing technologies, um, you know, and and there are uh, op- opinions on both sides. My hope is to kind of give you a broad um View of some of the major benefits and risks both of blockchain as well as cryptocurrency again interrelated but they are distinct from each other Uh, and let you make your own opinion and and hopefully hopefully you'll figure out the you know if this is a technology that you might want to incorporate in your business or not. Uh, We're going to talk a good amount about how cryptocurrency mining works. Um, Cryptocurrency, specifically, you know, something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, you know, these are technologies that are being uh, utilized worldwide. There are miners worldwide that are processing transactions. To give you a sense, there are millions of Bitcoin miners as well as millions of Ethereum miners and how that particular process works and what does that mean um, for you, the consumer who might be using these techs. Uh, We'll also talk a little bit about some of the accounting issues as well as uh, some recommendations on how to handle this. I've got some guidance from a wonderful PricewaterhouseCoopers report uh, that was provided uh, publicly um, last year in 2021 that I've pulled some key excerpts from to hopefully give you a good sense of, of some of the accounting treatments, as well as some guidance from the IRS um, that you could take a look at to understand essentially how to account for these, especially cryptocurrency, uh, any potential um, tax liability that you might have. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a, a exhaustive discussion on the accounting or tax principles of this. This is mostly a technology-related course, uh, but I would be uh, remiss if I didn't at least mention some of those major uh, issues uh, so that you can just get a good sense of maybe some of the business implications of how these tech work. We're also going to discuss a variety of blockchain, cryptocurrency. Let's call the niche topics specific types of technology uh, that are being used in here. For example, uh, things such as smart contracts, DeFi. Uh, non-fungible tokens we'll talk about what they are how they're being used and more Uh, and i'm gonna do my best to kind of give you a good sense of other major blockchain and cryptocurrency topics to hopefully give you a good sense of what this technology is how it's being used where it's where it's being used and and more all that and more into in our presentation for today Now again, if you've never had a class with me, my name again is Steve Yoss. Uh, I am an instructor and presenter for K2. I've been writing and teaching with K2 for many years at this point. I work in a a wide uh, wide range of topics, including Excel, accounting, audit, uh, fraud, ethics, and more. Uh, My love has always been with technology, and pretty much every course I write or teach has that common thread of being a tech-related class. Uh, So please check out K2E.com for a full listing of our courses and and all the different topics that I teach. Now, outside of uh, my work with K2, I also work as a software developer. I grew up and worked in accounting. I'm a CPA, but my love has always been with tech. And uh, with my work with Deb Maddox... Uh, We produce all different types of technology for all different types of businesses uh, with a special emphasis on business software. Uh, We make mobile apps. We make integration applications. We make uh, uh, stuff to power your business and hopefully uh, make you successful. If you have any questions regarding technology or what it might look like for your business, please feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to have a discussion. And uh, if I can help you, I certainly will. And if not, I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction. Now, something new in the K2 universe I'd like you to know about is our K2 podcast. K2 has a brand new weekly podcast uh, that you can listen to for free. Uh, And in this podcast, we're bringing you the latest and greatest on technology, accounting, and business topics uh, every single week. uh, Twice a week, actually, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, we are producing this live. You can watch live uh, for free on Facebook, YouTube, as well as on our site as well. Uh, And you can also listen to it asynchronously. So if you're uh, listening after the fact and you want to listen on your car ride in, Uh, To work, or on your car ride home, or maybe on the checkout line of a supermarket, you got a little time to kill. Uh, You could listen wherever you happen to get your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google uh, Sound, Google Play, SoundCloud, and more. Um, and, uh, we're putting new episodes out all the time and it gives us an opportunity to kind of go in depth more on specific topics as well as to bring you more relevant and timely news, uh, including, you know, accounting issues facing the day as well as, uh, Excel tutorials, Power BI tutorials, and more. So please, we'd love for you to check it out. Go to k2e.com forward slash podcast to learn more. All righty, we're going to get going here, and we're going to dive in. This class will be presented in four parts, so uh, we're going to get started here with our first part. But I do want to uh, just make one quick disclaimer, just due to the nature of cryptocurrency uh, and the risk there involved, I want to make it very clear that this presentation is for educational use only, and the information presented in this is for your uh, for your education. But I would really, really, really encourage you to... Um, you know, kind of do your own due diligence. And certainly, if you are not a qualified investor with respect to cryptocurrency, educate yourself before making any sort of decision uh, or consider uh, working with a financial planner or advisor who is familiar with how these technologies work. Uh, as with all types of investments or um, asset acquisitions, uh, not all cryptocurrencies and investment. Uh, You need to be educated. There's a very, very good chance uh, that uh, something, especially if you're not uh, qualified, uh, could go wrong uh, due to the nature of this. It's very volatile. There's also a lot of security constraints, as we're going to talk about here. Uh, But I want to make it very clear that please do your own due diligence. Please educate yourself before making any sort of decision. Uh, I'm going to make a lot of recommendations. But, again, please do your own due diligence before choosing a solution. Uh, or an investment or asset acquisition path that works for you. All right, now that we got the Lego mumbo jumbo out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's get started with our first topic here of understanding blockchain and cryptocurrency. Alrighty, so we're going to dive into our first topic here, which again is just going to be our introduction to give you a good sense of how these tech work and what they can potentially do for you. Uh, And in this technology, what we are going to be discussing uh, first is just giving you a sense of the overview of what this tech is. Now, what you need to know with respect to blockchain and cryptocurrencies, understanding first how most transactions get processed now. Uh, Now, you know, currently when most people are buying something, uh, you know, we're doing it electronically. You know, cash is certainly not going away anytime soon. Cash is always king. Uh, but a vast majority of us, myself included, we're processing things electronically, whether it be payroll to our staff or um, – you know buying something at the store we're using a credit card we're using an ACH transfer wire transfer something like that and all of these types of transactions use some sort of trusted middleman uh, it could be your bank Wells Fargo Bank of America it could be American Express Visa but we're using some sort of entity to process a transaction and um that company that bank that sits in the middle here charges interest they charges bank service fees to be able to process and move that money but in a nutshell they're taking money from column a and they're putting it into column b they're moving money from you know company a over to company b and vice versa blockchains on the other hand remove these kind of middle ground people and instead of having a middle company you have a middle technology And with blockchain and cryptocurrency, it allows for the consumer and the supplier to connect directly or consumer to consumer, consumer to employee, whomever else that might be. Uh, And instead of, you know, using Bank of America to process and settle that transaction, we're using this third party technology. We're writing a transaction to the blockchain, which are instructions essentially how to move money from one column to the other. If it's, for example, a cryptocurrency transaction and it gets facilitated and done um, in a timely manner. Now, both blockchain and cryptocurrency use, and it's right in the name of cryptocurrency, cryptography to keep things secure. Uh, And we are using encryption algorithms to essentially uh, secure these transactions to ensure that the uh, payment details, for example, are not uh, exposed publicly that could potentially cause issues for us Uh, And there's, we'll talk a little bit more about more encryption a little bit later on, but encryption is used all throughout blockchains in a variety of different capacities, and it is a fundamental building block of this tech. We're also using a blockchain. Blockchain provides a decentralized database, a distributed database, more on those terms here in a little bit later, uh, which is essentially a ledger that anybody inside of the network can examine at any time. All aspects of a transaction are public. So the date, the from, the to location, where it originated, where it's going, uh, certain metadata d- information, that's made public. So we use cryptography to keep things th- secure. We're using a blockchain, which is in a nutshell, a decentralized database in a ledger system. Uh, and it's public and people can be able to examine those records. Now, when we are working with a blockchain, we have a block and then we have the blockchain. The block is a collection of transactions. And when we populate and we push a transaction up to the block, uh, it is then sent out to be confirmed and verified by miners. We'll talk more about all these individual working pieces here a little bit later on. But that verification process, which, which will be sent out to multiple and potentially thousands and millions of people, Uh, will be verified worldwide with lots of people examining the standards of that transaction to ensure that it meets the qualification standards of a uh, blockchain transaction. And once it does meet those standards and once the users have approved it, and we call this consensus, uh, it will then be added to the pages of that ledger. And so that block gets committed to the blockchain now, and the chain is a connection of every previous block all linked together, hence blockchain. And once that transaction is committed to the blockchain, it's permanent. It can never be modified. It can never be removed or anything else because it would, uh, the standards of the technology are designed to prevent that technology uh, from allowing modifications. It's what we refer to as immutable. Now, you might be thinking to yourself self, this sounds interesting, but I don't see the application. How could this possibly be used? And there are plenty of examples of where we might want to be able to store information where the information itself has a high degree of uh, verification, high degree of accuracy, and it's permanent. And so here's some examples, some things that you might want to think that are where blockchain might be useful. Uh, places where you might want to store something where you have a tamper evident ledger and a timestamp, meaning I commit something and it has some sort of timing that goes into it. Uh, Insurance policies, for example, uh, agreements, contracts, uh, real estate um, contracts and things of this nature I think are all really good examples of where I want to know that when I write an agreement or a contract that one party isn't modifying the terms of that agreement. And when we say we agree and there's a timestamp that – we all verify, and it is 100 percent accurate that yes, this is what the document was. We all looked at it, we all agreed to it, and it has not modified or changed. You know nobody's pulling out at the, the last minute uh, you know something out of their bag that um, is different than what we previously had agreed to. Uh, now, another really good place where blockchain can be effective is places where parties don't know each other and they need a way of trusting each other. And they want to have a forensically tamper-evident way of exchanging information. So, you know, let's say we're doing business with somebody overseas. We don't know this person. Maybe, for example, we're doing manufacturing in China. And we've got a plan, schematics, things of this nature where uh, we want to be able to provide this information, our, our, our plans for it, and we want them to be able to produce that document and produce whatever manufacturing piece we need. But I want to know if you're going to change anything or you know, if, if you're potentially modifying the terms of whatever we're providing together. Well, again, because blockchain is immutable when something is added to the blockchain itself, well, we're going to know about it. It's unalterable. It has ways of being able to show if it has been tampered with. Uh, We can use things such as smart contracts and, and more to be able to kind of facilitate this trade. And it can make the actual process of doing like international business or business with unknown parties a little bit more secure, kind of like using an escrow in a way. So, you know, parties like manufacturers, common carriers, purchasers. We can provide a whole framework and protocols to be able to trust each other, to validate that, you know, each party has met the obligations under their contracts. So replacing things like banker acceptances, international uh, commerce, things of this nature could work. It also could be useful for things like gambling bets and contracts. You know, I know maybe that's not something we want to think about here, but – you know, nobody likes someone who welches on a bet, and uh, if you were to use a smart contract in store or make that uh, wager inside the blockchain, well, guess what? Nobody can welch on it because it's going to execute automatically based off of uh, if the Angels win the World Series or if the Rams win the Super Bowl. And blockchain could also be really useful where we need to know sequence of records, you know, where it's important to know what came first, second, third, fourth, and fifth? Just like a race, I want to know who won and, and appropriately award um, you know, that, that winner. Blockchain will do the same thing in the sense that it's going to store first place, second place, third place. Or here's what came first, second, and third. Blocks are sequential. Block. Uh, one will occur before block two, block two will occur before block three, and so on and so forth. And all transactions worldwide are processed sequentially. So if you had something like a deed or title in real estate where it's important that you know who actually is the last owner of something, or if you had liens on a property, this could be really helpful for determining that. So kind of cool in the sense that uh, it will record that sequence of events. Now, blockchain and cryptocurrency are... Not necessarily new topics, but they they are uh, relatively new, especially in the grand scope of life in, in the world. Um, The roots of this particular type of technology probably could be traced back, I'm going to say, I don't know, 20, 30 years to some of the really uh, early papers in the 1990s that kind of hypothesized how you would store information in a decentralized way. But uh, it's been widely accepted that the principal and practical conceptualization of blockchain technology was published by a person named Shitashi Nakamoto in 2008. Um, Now, I'm going to preface this, uh, we actually don't know who Shitashi Nakamoto is, we don't know if it's a guy, we don't know if it's a gal, we don't know if it's a group of people, we don't know if it's a company. This paper just kind of a materialized and uh, just kind of appeared out of thin air and presented an opportunity for creating a new technology, and and that's exactly what ended up happening. Uh, this person or persons published a paper called Bitcoin, a Peer-to-Peer Electronic Cash System. They published not only the academic paper, but the original source code that makes Bitcoin operate. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. And, and I will say, as with all technology, it was pretty novel at the beginning. You know, um, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of funny to see where we started and where we are now. You know, it was kind of put out there and, and um, you know, people made fun of it for a lot of reasons. They still made fun of it now. Uh, it was given away or traded for almost nothing at the beginning. There's a great story of a a person, I think here in the United States, that traded 200 Bitcoins for a large pizza, you know, and, and, you know, at the time it was worth nothing, but you think about like, you know, that 200 Bitcoin would be worth, it might've been 2,000 Bitcoin, whatever it was, but, you know, it would be worth hundreds of millions of dollars today, you know. Uh, But it started gaining really kind of serious real world value in 2015. It exploded in growth uh, in 2017, it declined for a couple of years. Had a huge resurgence in 2020. At the time of this recording, um, 2022, it's kind of declined in value again, uh, but it's still much, much, much higher than it originally were were. And I would say overall, roughly, uh, it's somewhere around two trillion. Uh, it was around two trillion in in 2021. We'll take a look at Coin Market Cap here in a little bit, uh, which is a website that tracks the market value of all cryptocurrencies uh, here in a little bit, but uh, somewhere around, it's over a trillion, but less than two, it's somewhere in that range. And again, this will change just depending on when you're watching this video. Uh, But one thing I do want you to uh, understand with this is the the impetus of why this came out. 2008, what happened? Huge worldwide pandemic, or not pandemic, that happened in 2020. A huge worldwide financial crisis. A lot of people lost their homes and a lot of it was due in part due to bad loans being offered by banks here in the United States to people who couldn't afford these properties. And Shitashi Nakamoto has been theorized and, and both in their writing as well as by analysts that created this technology as a way to create an inflation proof tech that is a non fiat currency, meaning it's not really tied to a single country's economy, but rather exists independent. And, uh, with Bitcoin, there's an upper limit of the actual number of coins. It's 21 million. We'll talk more about that here as well. And there'll only ever be 21 million. That's the the upper limit of the monetary supply. You can subdivide um, bitcoins by selling and trading fractions of a Bitcoin. but the actual coin itself is uh, there's a supply limit. And so they've essentially created an inflation proof uh, currency because it cannot be you can't make more of them. you know that it is what it is. Now, Bitcoin technology today, blockchain technology today, continues to improve and grow, uh, and it's also inspired a ton of ancillary technologies, complementary technologies around it. Uh, Some of these other blockchain technologies, for example, Litecoin, Dogecoin... Uh, And others were released to compete with Bitcoin, you know, and they are also what we refer to as like a store of value. But other blockchain tech technology, for example, like Ethereum, uh, it's yes, it's a blockchain, but it's not the same thing. Uh, Think of Bitcoin as being a like a like a, you know, gold. I mean, gold is really a true commodity in the sense of something that just exists and you trade it back and forth. Uh, yes, you can melt gold down and do lots of cool things with it, from jewelry to using in electronics. But just think of a gold bar, where something like Ethereum, a complementary as well as competing technology, is more like gasoline in the sense that uh, it's a commodity as well, but it can also be used to power your car and drive around and do things. You can actually do whole business applications on the Ethereum blockchain. So uh, lots of different tech were created to kind of fill different needs in the marketplace. Uh, Just like you have different types of cars, whether you have a sedan, a coupe, a van, a truck, boxcar, something else like that, um, you have different types of blockchain technology that can do different things as well. Now, blockchain technology has continued to grow and gain a lot of popularity, and just like many different techs, as it's matured, it's gained features, functions, security, speed, it's come down in price, um, and it continues to expand and grow at a pretty high rate, and there's a whole new sector of our economy and and, uh, market that's utilizing these incredible uh, tools. And there are lots of promising applications using blockchain technology. Stuff in logistics, banking, trade, real estate, identity, commerce, and more. And there's new projects being created all the time uh, to be able to uh, uh, to be able to provide new features and functions. Now, here's a list of some of the major key terms with respect to blockchain and cryptocurrency that you should be familiar with, many of which we're going to go ahead and look through and discuss today. I'll leave this slide for your reference. Uh, So if you hear me talk about something, you're not sure exactly what I mean by altcoin or, you know, for example, mining or a wallet, feel free to reference back to the slide for more info. Now, some of the other major uh, topics are going to be uh, really kind of around some of the underlying principal technologies inside of this that we really need to understand in order to be able to get blockchain and crypto at a at a big at a big and important level. Now, the first thing is again remembering how existing systems work. Traditionally, almost everything is centralized, especially as we start looking at cloud tech today, fintech today, insure tech today. Everything's centralized. You know, everything's kind of fiddling back into a central server, central company, so on and so forth. You know, all transactions uh, will ultimately go back to a bank. The bank does the work, but there's one central bank. You know, as an example here, it might be Bank of America, or it could be Amazon Web Services if we're talking about an application. Uh, but it's hub and spoke, you know, and you've got these different spokes that are over here, but they're ultimately feeding back into a central hub. Okay, that creates a concentration risk in the sense that central hub, if something happens to it, I mean, it could affect us all. So blockchain says, you know what, this is not a principle of design that we want to follow. Uh, we want to create, instead of a centralized world, we want to create a decentralized world. Okay, where instead of having one central thing where everything is kind of all combined in the middle, uh, we empower the nodes to be able to operate and act independently. Okay, so with blockchain, let's just take Bitcoin, especially the public blockchains. I'm not really talking about private blockchains, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But like with public blockchain, Uh, You can have people all over the world utilizing this technology, and no one person has control over the future of that technology. Uh, With these public blockchains, Ethereum, Bitcoins, and the like, there's no single party or single point of authority. Uh, There's no really oversight management and operation provided by a central company, but rather that's coming from the users itself and specifically the miners uh, they adopt principles and uh, if enough people adopt it then it's you know kind of carried forward but again there's no Microsoft or Google that you know it's kind of pulling the puppet strings that can change how these technologies operate they just kind of they just kind of go off on their own so that makes it uh, very difficult to be able to from like an enforcement perspective to because, you know, who are you going to serve a subpoena to? You know, if you if you want to sue, you can't. You know, there's no one to sue for Bitcoin as an example. Likewise, if you uh, mess up and you lose your private key on your account, there's no way for you to be able to redeem that because there's no 1-800 number, no email address you can go back to. Now, also with respect to the ledger side of this, the information is distributed. Um It's democracy in its finest. Uh, Everybody gets a copy of the information. Everybody can have pure, unadulterated transparency to how this operates, and this distribution of the ledger itself makes it so that there's a high degree of trust, and it also makes it so that it is not possible to be tampered with. So, when you're thinking through these texts, think decentralized and think distributed. Now, the next thing I want you to know are blocks and blockchain. I already kind of alluded this to a little bit, but I want you to think way back when uh, to those green ledger books that we used to do accounting with, okay? And, uh, you know, you'd use those books, you'd process these transactions, create your GL. GL goes to trial balance. Trial balance ultimately goes to the financial statements, okay? Now, in the context of blockchain, the blockchain itself is that ledger notebook. It's the whole notebook. It's every page in that notebook and every line of that transaction. It's the ledger of all the transactions in the actual system itself at any given time okay and an individual page of that you know green notebook you know with the green pages on it and the lots of lines well that's a block okay and on that page you have several different line items those are the individual transactions so with block chain the individual transactions are committed to a block a block represents a collection of transactions when those transactions are processed and published and then ultimately added to the blockchain, it's like going from an individual transaction, writing it down on the page, which creates the block, and then processing all those transactions. And when that block is added well, and, and confirmed and mined, well, then we add it to the actual blockchain itself. So the pages of the ledger are the blocks. The ledger itself is the blockchain. And hopefully that'll give you some uh, some insight on how these technologies and what these words mean. Now, you should also know there are lots of different types of blockchains. and We already alluded to this. You've got cryptocurrency, which are all public by default, and you've got uh, other types of blockchains too. Now, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin, these are the ones that all kind of get the the, uh, press and attention, but they're not the only game in town, okay? You can also have what are called private blockchains, and you can also have what are called permissioned blockchains, okay? Or hybrid blockchains sometimes. Now, regardless if you're using a public, private, or permission, there are some fundamental building blocks and principles of how blockchains work. The principles themselves are, are really kind of all the same. You know, blockchains are immutable, they're permanent, they exist, um, you know, and, and, and transparency into the information, so on and so forth. The big difference between a public and a private blockchain is about who's allowed to participate in the network. Uh, who's allowed to be in the consensus, who's allowed to verify transactions, who's allowed to, to post transactions, uh, who's allowed to be able to access that ledger. So that's about the big difference between public versus private. Now, in a public blockchain, Bitcoin, literally just start using it. Nobody's going to stop you. There's no account to set up. Uh, but beyond just creating a wallet address, just get started and go. Anybody can join. A permissioned blockchain or a private blockchain Sorry, a private blockchain is private. And so you have to be validated by other people who are in the system. There could be rules. For example, you have to be an employee or it has to be a company system or you have to be within the the group using this tech. And you can also create a a hybrid between these two, which is that permission blockchain, which can combine elements. Uh, Typically, it'll still be more private than public, but uh, you can combine elements of the both and mix and match to get exactly what you'd like. OK, so to make it crystal clear, public blockchains are independent. Each user has a hard copy of the ledger if they so desire. Uh, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, solutions like this, all public by default 100% of the time. Private blockchains, on the other hand, are not independent. You have to have permission to be able to join uh, and engage with this particular ledger. And so private blockchains, as we'll talk through some case studies a little bit later on, are a good option for companies that want The features, functions, and power of blockchain technology, but maybe just don't want every single person in the world being able to look into their business or be able to to add transactions to this. This is a good option for supply chain, logistics, internal company record keeping, and more. Uh, And I'll give you some examples of why you might want to consider using these different techs here. All right, let's go ahead and have our first review question. What is the main difference between public and private blockchain technologies? So, uh, how are these different uh, from each other? Okay, uh, private blockchains allow for modification of uh, data committed to the chain. Let's just say from a public person, no way. Okay, uh, public blockchains are centralized and managed by a defined. Uh, sorry, public blockchains are centralized and managed by a defined privileged group of users. No, sorry, Bob. Correct answer here is going to be public blockchains are open to any user at any time, but private blockchains are invite only. Okay, so hopefully that makes it clear for you. Now, let's talk about four major blockchain technologies that we should be familiar with. Okay, we're going to reference most of these throughout our presentation today, uh, specifically the first three. Now, the biggest... The OG, the granddaddy of them all, uh, is probably going to be Bitcoin. Well, not probably. It is. It is Bitcoin. Uh, It's got the highest market capitalization. It's the one that certainly gets the most attention. Uh, It's the one that's um, definitely, um, I would say, the standard, you know, for lack of a better way of, of hearing it. You know, there are literally thousands of blockchains and cryptocurrency projects that are out there, but we all know what Bitcoin is. Now, you should think of Bitcoin as a store of value. It's uh, like any other, and I'm using these terms very loosely, as we'll talk about in our accounting principles section. Uh, It could be considered like any other investment, security, or fiat currency. Uh, It's not always an investment. It's not always a security or a fiat currency, for that matter, and most of the time it's not. Uh, You know, uh, stepping ahead a little bit, it's an intangible asset, is the way you should, if you want to be really accounting, accounting about it. That's the term you would use. Uh, but the point of the matter is it stores wealth in some way. You can use it to conduct business transactions just like any any other financial instrument. Um, you can exchange money for, you know, hard currency for Bitcoin and then use those to buy things around the world with it. Now, Bitcoin uses proof of work to verify transactions. We'll talk more about proof of work, proof of stake when we get to our mining section. Uh, but it uses that type of mining technique. And you should know there is a hard supply limit of 21 million Bitcoins uh, with about 18.9 million Bitcoins currently in circulation. Uh, Now, that number is only going to go up and up and up. And there's new Bitcoins that are being entered into the market all the time. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Now, Bitcoin itself has been forked on occasion. And what I mean by forked is that the miners, through the consensus protocol, adopt new standards, which then changes the nature of how that currency operates. And we've ended up with other types of Bitcoin, Bitcoin gold, Bitcoin cash, others like it as well that have comparable uh, value sometimes, also could be different value as well. Now, another type of cryptocurrency, but also blockchain tech and other things like that, I mean, it's it's a much more uh, inclusive tech Uh and touching many different other types of technologies uh, is going to be ethereum and like bitcoin it is a store value but you can also do stuff you can also do other stuff with it which are pretty cool um, i would tell you a more inclusive way of defining ethereum is to call it a decentralized compute computational platform uh, meaning you can actually do stuff with ethereum you can make things happen. Uh, You can actually run applications inside the Ethereum blockchain. You can store data inside the Ethereum blockchain. There's this whole thing called smart contracts that operate within the Ethereum blockchain. There's these things called ICOs, initial coin offerings. Uh, There's all NFTs, non-fungible tokens. These are all applications that ultimately will be stored inside the Ethereum blockchain, but are um, layering tech on top of it. Now, with Ethereum, Transaction times, processing fees are typically much lower compared to Bitcoin. You can do more with it. Uh, It can be used in a lot of different ways. You can use it to issue insurance policies, doing supercomputer research projects, uh, raising money and capital for a new business, and more. Um, Another thing that's different is that unlike... Bitcoin, there is no hard supply limit of, eth- of uh, Ethereum, uh, but that might change in future releases. And they're, at the time of the writing, eh, somewhere north of $100 million in circulation. And Bitcoin has a wide adoption with lots of different types of industry sectors. Technology, finance, healthcare, government agencies. Uh, there's this thing called the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance. that uh, is a collection of different businesses that are building technology on top of the Ethereum blockchain. Let me show you a kind of a cool website that you should be familiar with. So this is a pretty cool website. It's coinmarketcap.com. This is a website that you can use to ex- explore and discover all different types of public blockchains and cryptocurrency projects. And it'll also tell you and track the latest valuation of some of these different technologies that are out there. Uh, one of the things I'll point out up here along the top, okay, uh, what you can see here is it'll show you, for example, how many different cryptos are currently out there. Uh, so right now there are 19,000 different cryptocurrencies being tracked. There are 520 different, uh, 526 different exchanges. Current market cap across all crypto is $1.3 trillion. Okay, so it kind of gives you a sense of of where these different technologies are. At the time of the writing, all transactions, 43% are roughly Bitcoin, roughly 20% are Ethereum. So those between those two tech, that represents two thirds of the, uh, roughly two thirds of the uh, of the space. And you can kind of come down here and you can learn about each of these different technologies. Unfortunately, today looks to be a, uh, a day in the red. And so we could, for example, click in here on Ethereum or Bitcoin and we can learn more about the trading as well as the current valuation of this different technology and the current supply. Uh, So it looks like actually there's about 120 million Ethereum currently in supply being used. Okay, So really useful website for exploring and kind of understanding these different coins, uh, tokens, NFTs, and more. It gives you a sense of some of the upcoming technology that's out there and and why you might want to use one or the other. And this is where I often will go just to check the valuation, current prices, circulating supply, market cap, and more. All righty. Now, not every blockchain is public, as I mentioned. Another uh, type of blockchain, but is not a public blockchain, is going to be Hyperledger Fabric. Now, Hyperledger Fabric is a private blockchain technology that you can choose to use inside your business. In fact, when we discuss our private blockchain projects, all of them are using Hyperledger Fabric. I would dare to say that it's probably the most common uh, private use blockchain out there. Now, Hyperledger Fabric started with IBM uh, as well as SAP and Intel. It's since moved to the Linux Foundation, uh, which has made it open source, and anybody can use it without uh, and have full access to the source code and and be able to modify it as their heart's content. And the objective of this blockchain is to advance cross-industry collaboration, developing blockchain, distributed ledgers, with a focus on interoperability and reliability. So making things that work with other systems and making something that's very reliable. Now, as compared to cryptocurrency designs, you know, which are capable of supporting global business, uh, Hyperledger Fabric is going to be specifically not Currency based, it's not going to be you know valued in the same way that Bitcoin or anything else. It's it's more of a database technology is the way I think about it, and that's great because it's great where you could create this where you get all the benefits, but you don't have to deal with the constant fluctuation evaluation of of the technology and you know dealing with something that could you know it's a moving target of price. So it's being used by a lot of different technology companies, financial companies, supply chain companies, and more to get all the benefits of, like, the immutable nature of transactions, the fact that nothing can be deleted, high degree of trust you can get with Hyperledger Fabric without all the other tech issues that pop up when you choose to use something like blockchain uh, for Bitcoin. And it will integrate with lots of other protocols and means of kind of creating application-specific use cases to support businesses. Uh, And it's got a whole bunch of other things around it, like its own consensus protocol for verifying transactions, routines for processing transactions, access to the platform, as well as smart contracts are going to be supported and are supported in in some instances. Now uh, another technology, and this is an AWS an Amazon web services tech is uh, a tool called Amazon quantum ledger database. Now, this takes one step back from blockchain in the sense that it is not distributed. It's not, uh, for example, uh, every user doesn't get a copy of the database. This is essentially managed thing with respect to Amazon. But think of it where think of it as where you've given essentially this. Uh, you get all the benefits of, of blockchain, but none of the management headaches of having to build, deploy, and maintain it. Uh, this Quantum Ledger database is transparent, it's immutable, it's cryptographically secure and verifiable, it's got a transaction log owned by a central authority. Uh, the Quantum Ledger database can track everything that a, a blockchain would do, but it doesn't give you any of the headache of, of kind of uh, having to manage it and all the other tech that goes along with it. And so it still gives you a high degree of trust of the data itself, the information's immutable, it can't be modified, altered, or anything else. Uh, So it's not quite a blockchain, but it has most of the desirable characteristics. And this has turned to be a pretty good option for businesses that want all that blockchain tech, but don't necessarily want to bite off on having to have a public blockchain or maintain that technology itself. Let's have another review question. Okay, sorry, let's do that one more time. Let's have another review question here. What's the process of settling transactions and moving funds from one account to the other? So what do we what do we do that? Um, well, okay, is it blockchain itself? Nope, that's not it, that's not the correct answer. Uh, is it staking? Yeah, that could probably be the right answer. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on, but that is a what we call a proof of stake, uh, is a consensus protocol for managing a moving transaction, but you could use that. Uh, and uh, that's a method of it, but that's not the complete story. The most correct answer is probably going to be mining here, specifically proof-of-work, which is what most blockchains are using currently. Uh, staking is a method of mining, but mining is definitely going to be the most inclusive term. And when a transaction is mined, that means that that has been verified and it has been added to the public record into that public blockchain. All righty. In our next section here, let's go ahead and talk through some of the benefits as well as uh, some of the risks. And let's start with discussing some of the misconceptions as it relates to blockchain tech. Okay, first and foremost, all cryptocurrency is blockchain technology. However, not all blockchain technology is cryptocurrency. As we'll talk through in our public blockchain and our, public, and our private blockchain um, uh, examples here, Uh, There are plenty of companies that are using blockchain technology that have nothing to do with Bitcoin, uh, that are still blockchain, but they're not um, Bitcoin, they're not Ethereum. However, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin, all of these are are blockchain technologies in and of themselves. So I really just want you to know that blockchain is way more than just Bitcoin. Uh, While it's certainly the biggest, the most widely known, as I showed you with the CoinMarketCap site, there are literally thousands of other Cryptocurrency and blockchain projects that exist that have nothing to do with Bitcoin itself. The next thing I want you to know is that blockchain technology is more than just trading cryptocurrency, it has lots of real world applications uh, where trust and verification are the priority of what you're looking to do you know whether it be international trade commerce storing data running applications in the cloud and more ultimately we're trying to trust people and uh, bitcoin i'm uh, sorry bitcoin is just one aspect of being able to do that we can use lots of different projects to facilitate that and not all blockchain is public as i mentioned there's Hyperledger fabric as well as amazon quantum ledger blo- uh, database Uh, which are blockchains essentially for institutional use. And you get all the features of that blockchain technology, uh, but you get control over who can access the ledger and who can process transactions within it. Okay? So what are some of the benefits of blockchain? Why would you want to use this tech? Well, first and foremost is trust. That is the building block principle of all blockchain technology. Blockchain helps when there is low trust between parties. Uh, And you need a way of working to each other. For example, businesses engage with new partners overseas. They need a way of being able to do trade where, you know, I'm not going to wire you a whole bunch of money and then there's no performance. Well, we can essentially use a smart contract. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. We can write up the terms of our agreement, put it into a smart contract, and then that smart contract will facilitate that uh, exchange. Uh, And we can facilitate the exchange of currency and money uh, as well as information and data a blockchain network and the blockchain network provides a neutral ground think of it as being switzerland in such a way where every party has an even playing field and it, it provides a way of being able to do work with each other without uh, uh, without a whole bunch of additional overhead now blockchain tech is permanent okay we will in the more narrow term the more inclusive term um the more precise term, let's say, let's use that rather than those other two. The more precise term is immutable. Uh, when a when a transaction is added to a block, and then that block is mined and processed and added to the blockchain, it's done. It's permanent. Uh, nobody can alter that transaction for any reason. It's there. It's there forever. And uh, once that block is processed and added to the change, and really once you've added it to the block, there's no way of recalling a block. As an example, it's permanent. And uh, you know, think about this in the context of accounting. You don't have to worry about somebody doing a prior period transaction or modifying a, uh, a journal entry once the books have been closed. It's it's good and it's there. It's going to be there forever. Okay. Next thing is speed, and comparatively, blockchain's really fast. You know, in terms of being able to process transactions and, and growth. Uh, if we look at traditional economic markets, I mean, they've been relatively unchanged for unchanged for years. Uh, where blockchain's a really fast tech and it's growing. Uh, Now, granted, there have been growing pains in the sense of how long it's taken for transactions to process through the blockchain network, Uh, but the overall speed of transactions are much faster compared to traditional mechanisms, and it's only gonna get better as we grow. Now, blockchain technology is independent. All users are independent in public blockchains. the more precise term was we would say they are disinterested parties, uh, meaning you know that a guy using blockchain in you know, Big Bear Lake, California, uh, doesn't have any more effect or control on the technology as a guy using it in Sweden. Uh, it could be Steve, just a normal dude here in town, versus Elon Musk. You know, Elon might be able to shake his fist and, and get uh, public attention onto an issue and, and get media attention, but he has no more authority than me. Uh, there's no single point of authority or business that really can kind of control the direction of this technology. It's rather what the overall users of this tech want to do. And so, again, going back to, you know, why this technology was created in the aftermath of the uh, 2008 financial crisis, we wanted to create something that was going to be a little bit different and have different features and functions compared to what we saw with traditional markets, which were subject to manipulation. Now, saying that, There's manipulation all over the place inside of public blockchains. I mean, there are people that own so much of this that can shift and change the way markets go. They can affect the price of this. Uh, You know, like if Elon Musk tweets something, we can see prices, you know, just fall quickly. Or if he tweets something positive, they can rise quickly. Uh, But the actual underlying tech itself, again, it's kind of independent. Now, uh, every transaction in a public blockchain is transparent and verifiable. Uh, With Bitcoin, anybody can look at any transaction at any point and see exactly what the heck happened. And you can see money going from one place to the other. If you know my wallet address, which is where, you know, think of like my physical wallet here, you can actually look and see exactly how much money I have in my account. Now, if I don't make that address public to you, it's not going to be easy for you to find it. But... The point of the matter is that you can actually scrutinize transactions inside of this. And in a private blockchain, you control who can come in, but even in a private blockchain, they still have control over, um, they still have access to the actual underlying data itself. Okay, the cost. The cost of, of working with blockchain technology itself is pretty cheap. Uh, pretty easy. So, with respect to this, uh, you know, you can uh, utilize this technology for not a lot of overhead. I'm not talking about mining. We'll talk about mining a little bit later on. But if you just want to use this to process transactions, pay people overseas, uh, you can do it. I mean, it doesn't really require any direct hardware expenditure above and beyond just a normal computer or smartphone. Uh, there are fees, for example, to process a transaction. Um, Bitcoin charges fees. Ethereum charges fees. Um, they call it gas and Ethereum, you know, which are your transaction processing fees, but comparatively to what you would normally pay for like Bank of America or Wells Fargo to process or something, it's going to be cheaper and sometimes free, depending on the blockchain technology you use. Now, blockchain technology also has a large variety, too. There are a lot of different tech that are out there that you could consider using, Um you know, there's stuff specific for, you know, as I mentioned, you know, doing applications in the cloud, storing value in the cloud. There's stuff uh, specific to certain countries. There's stable coins There's centrally managed bank coins and more. So that's another really kind of cool thing is that there's a lot of variety in what you can choose to use. Now, this could be really useful and game changing, frankly, for for accounting. Uh, I'm going to point out there's not a cloud accounting blockchain application uh, that's using this for led- general ledger purposes. So there's no like QuickBooks as an example that's using uh, that's using blockchain as a way of being able to um, uh, being able to uh, process transactions. Uh, meaning like there's not a you know a cloud accounting solution that's using a ledger like blockchain to be able to uh, to process those. Uh, but you know it could be in the future. Uh, some things that you could potentially do with this is that, for example, could allow auditors to verify large portions of important data behind financial systems automatically, you know, just because of the traceability and and visibility and permanence of the ledger information itself. The fact that all blockchain transactions are permanent and irreversible would be really good for sensitive record keeping. You know, you know somebody can't go in and delete something after the fact or add a prior period transaction. It'd also be really good when you have transaction between entities that are related with each other. Uh, becomes verifiable on both sides of the transaction now, and you can trace it. We'll take a look at, at uh, a mined transaction here in a little bit later on, but you know you could like follow the bouncing ball of how a transaction moves inside the system. Let's go ahead and have another review question. What are some of the biggest benefits of using public blockchain? Okay, so in a public blockchain, not per, not private, but out there in the world using Bitcoin or Ethereum, what are some of the biggest benefits? Okay, is it permanent and unalterable? You betcha it is. Uh, is it independent and disinterested where people can't manipulate the actual technology? Absolutely. Are transactions transparent and verifiable? Absolutely as well with users having access to see everything that's going on. So the correct answer here is going to be all of the above. Now let's go ahead and finish up with just a couple of risks that we should be familiar with, with respect to blockchain technology. Okay. Uh, Now the biggest risk as it relates to public blockchain technology, again, Bitcoin, Ethereum, these are public blockchains, public cryptocurrency. Hands down is the, absolute pendulum of valuation that kind of comes with using these uh, tools. Uh, the valuation of something like Bitcoin or Ethereum can vary drastically. Uh, I mean, plus minus 20% or even more in a given day. Uh, I, I personally have been using these tech and, and have been have uh, owned them for years. And I've made and lost literally tens of thousands of dollars in a, in a given day and, and sometimes even more than that. Uh, So that becomes very difficult if you're looking to do business with somebody and you're buying something today and it drops in value 40% overnight. I mean, that's difficult, you know, so it becomes really hard to be able to conduct business that way when you don't have a stable currency. Okay, uh, regulatory and compliance risk. Uh, I'm going to point out there are virtually no regulations or consumer protections on blockchains. That's changing a little bit. There have been some, um, you know, some uh, not necessarily laws, but let's call them guidance and influence coming from our federal Uh, regulatory agencies like the Securities Exchange Commission, the IRS, and more. Uh, But there's certainly no consumer protections. Although the FDIC and the Federal Reserve are looking at potentially creating some at some point in the future, as of this recording, you take your life into your own hands using these tech. Um, And if it goes south for you, if you have a data breach and somebody steals your private key and then gets into your wallet, well, guess what? That's on you. And that's probably... You know, going to disqualify a lot of people from using this tech. I, I know it's something that makes me nervous as well, but uh, you should just know that that uh, that's something you need to be consider concerned with. It is still very much new technology. It's cutting edge across the board. Um, you know, if we look at you know certain things like electronic payments, ACH and wires, they've got decade-long success. You know, the Swift payment system's been around like 50 years now. Uh, it's tried and true. We know how to use it. Uh, with this new technology you got to be okay with and comfortable with those risks of using it. Uh, it's not private. You should know there are some aspects of the transaction that can be private, but you know the fact that you anytime you put something to a public blockchain, it's going to be public and available for scrutiny. Now the security uh, is also something to be concerned with. The technology itself is secure. Uh, But it really depends, especially when it comes down to buying and selling cryptocurrencies, that it all depends on your personal security habits and whether or not you follow best practices. There are no institutional or regulatory safeguards like you get from like Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Uh, There's no one watching your six. I mean, if you, for example, you know, keep a public a uh, public blockchain cryptocurrency private key on your, on your computer and you experience a data breach or ransomware and they get that private key, they're going to be able to steal the money from you or steal the value from you. Um, so you have to know and educate yourself at a very, I cannot understate this enough, you need to take responsibility of all aspects of the security for this to really be a good uh, um, project for you. And if you don't, don't do it. Okay, if you're not willing to accept the risks around security, please just just don't. It could end up being catastrophic for you. There are some real world concerns with crypto that you should be aware of, uh, and our various regulatory and law, and law enforcement agencies are, are very aware that these occur, and this is really where I'm a lot of the motivation to kind of provide enforcement into regulating these technologies come from. Uh, first and foremost is money laundering. Um, I have no idea of the statistics or facts behind it, but just as a guy who is pretty familiar with the tech, I feel that a fair amount of it is being used to launder money uh, around the world. Uh, by their very nature, blockchain and cryptocurrency technologies are anonymous and unregulated. Great way of being able to move money worldwide. Uh, it's also being used Uh, I shouldn't say specifically being used because of the nature of the technology. Uh, There's a ton of um, I shouldn't say ton. I have no idea what the actual amount is, but I'm willing to bet most people are not in compliance with respect to the tax laws related to cryptocurrency. You should know that pretty much any time you do anything with cryptocurrency, you create a taxable event where you have to calculate capital gains or losses. Uh, And most people I'm willing to bet don't believe, don't follow that. You know, if you sell Bitcoin to buy Ethereum, that's a taxable event. You sell Ethereum to get United States dollars, that's a taxable event. Um, However, saying that, unlike, you know, standard reporting like 1099s and W2s, K1s, it's virtually impossible for taxing authorities to know this because there's nothing being reported back to them. So uh, the tax evasion side of this, I think, could be pretty high. Cryptocurrency is by far the currency of choice for black market goods. I hope none of you ever experience a data breach or ransomware. But if you do, 100% of the time they're going to ask for some type of cryptocurrency to be sent to them. Um, Why? Well, it's transparent. Uh, It's anonymous. It's unregulated. It's very difficult to know. Um, And it's permanent also. So this is great if you're trying to do black market stuff. Okay, As well as the valuation on this. I'm going to tell you this price instability makes it really difficult for real-world business to consider using. Let's finish with our last review question, and then we'll go ahead and take a break. What are some of the biggest risks or concern with pu- public blockchain tech? Okay, is it relatively new tech with an unproven track record? Absolutely. It's got unclear future, and we don't know exactly what the regulatory company country what the regulate regulatory entities of various countries are going to do and what our compliance risks could be. Absolutely. Seemingly constant fluctuation or valuation relative to what we call fiat currencies, you know, which are currencies based in a country like a United States dollar or a euro. Absolutely. Correct answer here is going to be all of the above. All right, folks, that does bring us to the end of our first section here. We went ahead and we discussed Uh, what blockchain technology is, uh, some of the major features and vocabulary related to this, like blocks and blockchain, public versus private blockchain. We took a look at our our major blockchain technologies that are out there, uh, including Bitcoin, Ethereum uh, on the public side, Hyperledger Fabric, and Amazon Quantum Ledger Database on the private side. And we also talked through some of the benefits and risks that we should be familiar with. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and dive back in, talking about cryptocurrency mining and staking, as well as other major cryptocurrency and blockchain topics that are out there. Stay tuned. We got lots more great information coming. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of, from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up-to-date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.